unbadding, unbadding, we're unbadding, baby. We're on a journey, baby. We're unbadding, baby. We're unbadding. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unbadding. I'm Dana Pereira. And I'm Jessica Presley. Jess, not to get like super sappy on you, but do you know how much I love doing this with you? Aww. <laughs> that's so sweet. I was listening to a book today and she was talking about sisters and I was all kinds of in my feelings oh, and like really? sappy about it. Yeah. Aww. No, I really, you know what I love? I love that we have people that reach out to us all the time and tell us their stories or tell us that we helped them get through something in some way or I I mean whenever you do a show like this and uh you're just kind of putting all your bullshit out there in the open for everybody yeah um it can be scary definitely scary I think that um me more so than you have kind of like lived my life Um, way under the radar. Um, I call it living my life out loud is what I claim to like be online and in social media. And so um, doing our show, doing a show like this is something that really challenged that part of me that Mm -hmm. wants to live under the radar. Um, And I certainly don't claim to know it all or be the best advisor or to be the person to tell you how to live your life. But I do think that I've gone through some stuff and I've learned some stuff and I have a pure heart and an open mind and that um, just sharing my experience or my understanding of things, I can meet somebody where they are and, and help somebody grow or expand their perspective in some way. And so Doing a show like this is a little scary, mm. but it's also super, super rewarding. It's very rewarding. And you and I just had a friend that reached out to us like a week ago. Um, and like it made me cry. Same. Hearing uh, what she had to say. And it it does, it makes you feel like, oh, this is why. Definitely. That's the why right there. Whenever you hear the feedback from somebody that says that you've impacted them or that when they listen to you, like their heart just feels calm and at ease. And uh, gosh, it's just like a, a feeling that makes you feel like this is the why to connect with people. And even though that we're not face to face or spending weekends and, right. and holidays together, um, I'm still impacted by this person and this person was still impacted by me. And that is just chef's kisses. It is because that's what life is all about. And there you can be impacted by people, whether it is the positive, ooey gooey, all the feeling stuff. And then, like you said, living your life out loud on social media, that can also bring a lot of pushback, a lot of controversy, a lot of, I mean, like just a couple of weeks ago, I posted a picture of myself with no makeup. (gasps) Shock awe. No, she didn't. Oh my God. And it was scary because I was sure that people were going to tell me how ugly I was without makeup on Mm. because of my melasma or whatever else. Um, 
but I did it. And uh, I mean, most of the feedback was good, but it got me thinking, why am I making this choice to post a picture of me without make like this is my true authentic self right. is no makeup hair air dried like wild lion's mane hair that is my true authentic self with no painting of the face or anything else yeah I mean it's not um necessarily a version of ourselves as women that we are modeled to put out there. Mm. Um, the women that say we look up to, whether it be activists, mm -hmm. um, actresses, mm -hmm. singers, writers, mm -hmm. anybody that's putting themselves out there on social media, um, most of the time, we're not getting the true authentic self. We're getting the part of ourselves that is um, giving into the expectation of what society has for us, right? And so um, I even find myself, like before doing this show, I was really on a quest of like, I'm not wearing makeup and I'm being my authentic self. And I found that, when I was getting ready to come here and record and we were going to do, you know, little reels or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, just a little concealer, uh -huh. or just a little mascara. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. Totally. But it was something that I had to grapple with mentally and understand why am I making this choice? Why is it a thing to yeah. think about or not think about? Why is it a thing? Why is it a thing? Do you know, and this is going to shock so many of you, my husband, when he gets out of the shower, he just is. Like mm. for life. <laughs> right. It's like, am I going to put a hat on or am I going to put gel in my hair? Yeah. He just is. exists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the the best thing that I can relate to that yeah. is the fact that I don't have to do my hair. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is like such a liberating thing as a woman who has had to do their hair for all of their life mm -hmm. to not have to think about my hair. When other women talk about having to do their hair before they go somewhere, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. It is. Men don't even know what it is to have a thing, to have to look in the mirror and be like, oh, the image that I see directly in front of me is not good enough. I must put things on my face to make it look acceptable mm -hmm. to myself and to others. So it's interesting because I have, um, we'll call him an acquaintance. And he had said at one point that a woman wearing makeup is like a fraud she is presenting an image of herself that is not true at the same time he is the first person to call a woman ugly fat mm. uh, I mean any negative word that you could possibly put towards a woman he, he'll be the first person to say it and I'm like oh god so we like can't win if we do can't win if we don't like right exactly so like don't be a fraud mm -hmm. 
don't put paint on your face mm. to cover yourself up. Yeah. But don't dare present yourself ugly. like that. Right. How dare you? Right. It's just like the impossible feat that it feels to be a woman at times. It does. And so you and I last week decided that we were going on a field trip. Field trip. No school bus this time, but nonetheless. No, no school bus. We were able to drive ourselves. Um, but it was a really fun field trip. It was. It was an unexpected field trip for me, at least. Usually on field trips, I'm laughing and having a bunch of fun. And although I did have fun on this field trip, I cried a lot. <laughs> you know, so did I. And I think that a part of you might have been a little bit more clued in than I because you text me ahead of time and said, I don't know if I'm going to wear mascara because yeah. I think I might cry. That's right. And I'm like, burn? <laughs> what? Are you doing the same thing that I'm doing? Because I have zero plans on crying. And let me tell you, all the crying happened. Yeah, I did wear mascara, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I cried it all off. Same, same. <laughs> and so our field trip was to the movie theater. Uh huh. And we went to see the Barbie movie. We did. And although a lot of people might think that we came out of there with bats just ready to bash all of the men. Not a true story. And if you're a man listening, I encourage you to stick around. Yes. Yeah. So um, I was actually a little shocked that that was like the takeaway from the film and apologies in advance that we just turned the show into a movie review but that's <laughs> what's kind of happening here. you know what there is so much unbatting in that movie yeah. it's totally relevant to our show it really is um so i had mentioned to a friend that i went to go see the barbie movie and she immediately was like "Ooh, how was it and I was like, hmm, it was, it was good. You were going to say something. I was going to say that I also, like you, was like a little baffled by the negativity. I mean, I didn't know that there was any negativity because I, again, kind of live my life below the radar and I don't really seek these things out. But once you and I had gone and we decided that it was like so impactful that we wanted to unpack a bit of it on the show, I kind of did some searching around and realized that some people had some pretty un, in my opinion, unfair things to say about the movie, or maybe just some takeaways from a perspective that I do not share. It feels like it was very triggering for a lot of people. And I understand that when you are uncomfortable, that the first thing that you want to do is uh, push it away, mm -hmm. right? You want to be like, mm, no, that's not right because it makes me feel a certain way. Sure. So I definitely think that people that were uncomfortable during the movie should probably sit with it a little longer and try and figure out what made them so uncomfortable. Definitely. Um, so my friend was like, oh, my son went to go see it, and he said it's all male bashing. He had to get up and walk out of the theater. How? Well, I'm I'm guessing that if it was your friend and she had a son, that he was probably between the ages of 15 and 25, broad yes. range. Yeah. Um, and so it would be interesting, actually, 
I'm not really sure what the perspective would be because that age range um, shares a totally different experience than the age range of myself at 40. Um, My upbringing and my experience as a woman is definitely different than a 15 to 25 year old male. Well, I think for a 15 to 25 year old male that and, and I can understand where he might be coming from. He's like, I'm not like this. What are you talking about? You know, um, and it's very hard for a person of that age. I mean, you're again, I like to talk about the frontal lobe not being developed. Um, it's it's hard for them to recognize that it doesn't have to be you. Right. Seeing outside your own experience. And so that's a really good point to bring up, Dana, because I think at that age, it is hard to see Mm -hmm. outside your own experience and no fault of his own. It's just a developmental milestone that he has yet to hit. Um, But I think that sometimes sitting in an experience or uh, witness to an experience that is different of your own really does require uh, you to be able to separate your experience from their experience and to witness it, not to, um, to have it as your own. Right. Sometimes you can go through these things and it doesn't have to be held as your own. It's, uh, like you said, you're just paying witness to it because it does exist. And, uh, so in the Barbie movie, there was a lot of, I mean, we can just start at the beginning yeah and what happened we're in barbie land and what's going on in barbie land barbie land is essentially on a very superficial level the reversal of life in america i would say yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's reversal it's like women run the show mm-hmm. um women are in power everything is revolving around women men are doing all that they can to um just get even a glance in their direction mm-hmm. from these women um and women are just kind of going about their day in and day out lives Um, without even a concern as to what the experience is for the quote-unquote Kens in the movie. And I think that that might be where people are, because, I mean, there wasn't actual men bashing in the movie. Nobody said a bad word about a man. Uh, They did put them in situations where it kind of mirrored what men think a woman's situation would be in our world today. For example, the cattiness between the Kens was a huge one. Right, right. That and, and again, it was done in such a cheeky way. Mm-hmm. It was entertaining. It was funny. Um, but it was also a bit eye-opening. Like, I remember, and again, like, my experience is different now because I am uh, a 40-year-old woman who mm-hmm. is married. And I'm not, like, you know, maybe in the dating scene. And, and this... Um, particular part of the movie, it was kind of like this competition for the approval or the admiration of Barbie, right? Now, all the women in Barbie land are named Barbie, Mm -hmm. and all the men in Barbie (gasps) land are (laughs) named Ken. And so all the Kens are just like competing for the attention and for the admiration and for the approval of Barbie. Yeah, except for Alan. Except for Alan. (laughs) So in a world full of Kens, there's one Alan. Be an Alan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, and the thing is, we 
in life, we're kind of brought up to feel like we were in a constant competition with other women. And the Barbie movie kind of reflected that reflected that with the Kens, where they were always in a competition with each other. But honestly, if you look at, uh, I don't know, She's All That or any fucking 90s rom-com, 80s rom-com, there's always men competing for the adoration of the one girl that took off her glasses and is now sexy as hell, you know? <laughs> like, it's not a new concept. True. Very true. Um, so that was one of the kind of um, mirrors of, or maybe a mirror reversal right. of like the typical woman experience to the Ken experience. What were some other parallels that you pulled from it? So something that I really, really recognized um Whenever, so at some point, Barbie realizes something is wrong. She's having thoughts. I don't want to give away the whole movie. So if you haven't watched it yet and you're planning on it, I encourage you to stop now. <laughs> come back later. <laughs> but um, when Barbie leaves Barbie land, she wants to feel she's like oh I'm feeling insecure about something I'm gonna go over to this group of construction workers I will be safe there because Barbie land the construction workers were all women and she was like oh I'm gonna go here I'm gonna feel safe and immediately she was objectified immediately she was objectified and I'm just going to ask any of our male listeners here to just sit with this for a moment because we're not pointing a finger and we're not pointing a blame, but your experience is not my experience. Yes. As a woman, no matter what, you are objectified, whether it is in a positive light or it is in a negative light. I have been objectified for as long as I can remember. Um. I've been conscious of what men think about me, mm -hmm. probably from like the age of 12 or 13. I was going to say 12. Yeah. I've been really conscious of what men think of me. Mm -hmm. And there's this one scene in the movie when she goes over to these construction workers and she's in this ridiculous ridiculous outfit which makes it hilarious so ridiculous you're gonna so see it non-stop on halloween it's oh that's such a good one yeah <laughs> um such a ridiculous outfit and she kind of turns to ken and she's so confused and she's like i'm feeling like uncomfortable but like in a way where i'm like all of a sudden conscious of myself and what i look like yeah and that was like so seen so seen because there is a moment in adolescence where you go from playing with your Barbies and thinking that like life is just all hunky dory to like all of a sudden realizing that like you are conscious of what you look like self-conscious of how you navigate through the world based on your outer appearance and it's very interesting for women of all shapes and sizes. I have friends that developed boobs at 10 years old and they were so self-conscious of having these boobs at 10. And then there was me. I didn't get boobs until I was 19. And I was so self-conscious. 
all of a sudden it's all around boobs, but it's not just boobs. It's how broad your shoulders are. It's how skinny your waist is. It's how big your thighs are. It's all of these body awareness Mm -hmm. for every single female I know. Yeah. From such a young age. For me, it was all about the booty. Yeah. As a young girl, people talked about my booty constantly. Yep. And still to this day, it's like part of my identity is is tied to the shape of my ass cheeks. Why? Because since I was so small, it's been talked about. And then at some point, we embrace it, in quotes, Right. Where we are forced to just start pretending like this is something I value about myself over other things because this is what other people notice about me. This is what other people notice about me. This is what culture deems as um, worthy. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I'm going to accentuate myself or this is where I'm going to find my worth. Yeah. It's... um... It's disheartening having daughters. Super disheartening having daughters. And being fully transparent, um, it's hard not to perpetuate it. Yes. Because even as a mama, and I see my daughter's cute little butt, I want to be like, oh, look at that cute butt. But you want, because you want them to feel good about themselves. You want them to feel good in their bodies. You want them to be like embracing themselves. And there's... There's that other side of the coin, right? Like we're always talking about how there's so many different layers to things. And there's allowed to be different layers. You're allowed to have the side of the coin where you feel objectified. And then you're also allowed to have the side of the coin where you fucking own it. Yeah. And it's a hard balance to find. It is a hard balance to find. I think that as a mom... I really try to point out other things other than physical attributes. Totally. But then also, I'm raising black daughters, and black women don't see themselves as often as white women see themselves portrayed as this um, beauty standard. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's an interesting line to toe. I don't want to over accentuate the physical, but I also want them to know that they are seen and valued in their beautiful brown skin. So how did you feel about representation in the Barbie movie? I felt like there was some pretty good representation. I mean, of course, Barbie as a character was white. She was. Um, and so that's something that, you they know. They also called her stereotype Barbie. They did, which I thought was cheeky and clever. Yes. She was stereotypical Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were, there was a lot of representation. There was a representation in um, race. Mm-hmm. There was representation in um, physical size. Mm-hmm. So there were Um, women, there were Barbies that were curvier. There were Barbies that were very slender. There were Barbies that were shorter, taller. Um, did they have a trans Barbie or was I, no, I don't recall if they did it. It went right over my head. head. I could be wrong and I might need to cut this. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
I'm going to have to go double check because throughout the movie, I was like, oh, that's so great that they have a trans Barbie. Right. You might need to chickety chickety check yourself. (laughs) Definitely check myself. Um, But I I do think that there was um, decent representation in the movie. So something that I noticed um, when people want to say that the movie is all about male bashing and it's just you know it's feminism and but for me there were so many more messages mm-hmm. throughout that movie yeah there was um self-love was a big one in that seeing your flaws and uh or i like to say perceived flaws because they're not always flaws for everybody else right um, there were friendships in there, beautiful friendships. There was a mother daughter relationship in there that was so typical and beautiful and scary as hell. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. How did you, um, feel about the, the mother daughter thing? I mean, it's, of course it just tugs at your heartstrings, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's like adolescent teenage daughter feels like her mom doesn't know anything she's just so cringy I'm just waiting for this to happen in my own life because I know it's coming so soon so I was really paying attention yeah to that relationship and like also trying to pay attention to like how can I stop this from happening (laughs) I don't know I mean the optimist in me and the mother in me likes to believe that I can stop it from happening but I just don't know that you can you know I think on some levels you can can and some levels you cannot people told me with Mason and Kai like oh just wait for the teenage years it's gonna be miserable and I'm still waiting yeah they've been pretty fucking great they have been pretty great and my hope is that you know that continues on through your younger ones and with mine as well and I think that um the relationships in the movie they were really It was kind of a representation of both. It was kind of this opportunity to see how when you meet your child, your daughter in this case, in a place of vulnerability and really allow yourself to be seen as human and not just be this like know-it-all authoritarian figure, Mm. um, that there really is this magical moment between um, the daughter and the mother um, because the daughter realizes that the mother has gone through all the same things that she's currently going through. It's like the, the mother is no longer just this like cringy, no nothing mama. She's like, Oh, you went through that too. It's another mirror. It's another mirror. I loved that part of it. Um, I remember being that teenage girl thinking that everything that my mom did was cringy and mm-hmm. gross and ew. And um, it was it was a mirror. And so I, I really thought that that was beautiful. There was a part in the movie that was really beautiful. And she's talking about how mothers have to stand still. Mm, that's right. So that daughters can see how far they've come yep and that one fucking got me yeah i definitely was like shot through the heart on that one 
I felt all the feels on that. And for me, it hit me in the heart because you do realize how many times you just take a pause and take a back seat to like allow your children to surpass you and to grow and to, to just become who they were created to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really beautiful. Um, so let's go back to some more gross shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> so Barbie, uh, she starts in the beginning of the movie, she's having these vile thoughts of death. How dare she? Right. Um, and cellulite. Oh, that exactly. Ew. Ew. <laughs> but like, let's be real. It's like a magnifying glass. I see it all the time. Why is it that I care about cellulite? Why the fuck do I care about cellulite? It's like part of the human experience here's kind of like boogers it's just gonna be there they are going to be there the <laughs> thing is my husband could grab a handful of thigh and be like oh my god look at all of my cellulite and i would be like don't give a shit don't care about you i didn't marry you for or without your cellulite couldn't give a flying fuck about it and honestly not that men don't have cellulite, but it's kind of more a woman experience to have cellulite. To care about it. To, I mean, maybe I'm just living in la-la land, but like, I don't know too many men that have cellulite. <laughs> I think cellulite isn't like gender specific. I think maybe. Really? Yeah. You know what? We'll do a Google search I think and we fact need to check do some googly googly. I don't know. I could be I, wrong. I feel like I don't know if it has to do with um, like the, what do you call it, BMI of like men to women. I, I don't know. I just feel like, hey, Siri, do men have cellulite? Ah, you're right. Less than 10% of men have cellulite. So this is a woman experience. You're right. And so isn't it funny that this thing that only women have, not yeah. only, but the majority of women have. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would say 10% of women don't have cellulite. Yeah. And 10% of men do. Yeah. So isn't it this funny thing that women are so wrapped up in this idea of cellulite? And like men don't even have to really think about it. They don't think about it. They don't think about a lot of things. Like we said, like they just pop out of the shower, put on their clothes and off on their day they go. Off they go. And that's just not an experience of the woman. We have to wake up an hour and some early to, you know, make ourselves presentable to, you know, the world. And it's it's layered again, because on one hand, I really like to paint my face and look pretty. Right. But like, why? I know. You know, if we like dig into that, a lot of times we'd be like, I'm not dressing up for anybody. I'm dressing up because it makes me feel good. Mm. No, I will 100% admit right now in front of everybody, I dress up because I want other women to notice me. Other women. Okay. Yeah. I want other women to look at my makeup and be, and be like, oh, damn, girl, that cat eye looks good on you. I want other women to be like, wow, that outfit. Love the shoes. Where'd you get them? So I could be like, Marshalls for $15. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So my mind goes so many places with that. Because yes, it it sometimes is for other women. Mm-hmm. But I wonder like how much of that is layered in like the innate competitiveness it is. that we have been quote unquote trained to want to be with each other. It's an approval thing. I want approval and approval is also a competitiveness. Mm-hmm. I want you to think that I am greater than any other person that you have ever come across in your entire life. Right. And then when it doesn't happen, I am real sad about it. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to beat myself up over it. But if you like my $15 Marshall shoes, then you have all of the accolades that you could possibly need. And you can go home feeling great. And you can snuggle in bed and watch your murder mystery and go to sleep happy that night. I am riding that high (laughs) for three hours at least. But after three hours, I'm back in my depression. So I need another pair of shoes for someone to like. (laughs) So I don't think that my my disdain for or my lack of is any different. I just think that I want to get it without having those things. Yeah. Like, oh, my approval isn't necessarily because of the makeup I wear. It's because of the lack of makeup that I wear. It's still a need for approval. Well, so... Uh, as another layer to add to it, I want somebody to tell me about my shoes, but I also want them to feel good in my presence. And too many times, I think that I just leave people feeling weird. <laughs> but <laughs> I really like whenever I come at them and I'm like, let me know you. Let's dig, dig into this. Like, let's really... Uh, And then there's my people and there's my people that I can show up exactly like this in my sweatpants, no makeup on and fucking dig into the dirt of the last six months of Mm -hmm. whatever's going on in their lives. And then there's the people that you try and impress. And I like to call those people acquaintances, right? The people that you feel the need to impress or show up other than your authentic self. Yes. The people that come to my house that I feel like I need to clean up for. Mm-hmm. Those are acquaintances. I think I am an acquaintance of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Jess. Jess, this is Jess. Hi, nice to meet you. Your house is very clean. Oh, thank you. It always looks like this. Always, all the time. <laughs> Didn't just pick this up for you. Exactly. <laughs> I am my own acquaintance. Yeah. Um, so whenever we were talking about earlier about um, the things that women have to be aware of, that men don't have to be aware of, one of the things that comes up for me is um, just like the simple like safety, uh, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like men kind of have this, um, we'll call it privilege for mm-hmm. lack of better word. Of being able to just like go wherever, whenever, however, and not necessarily feel like a constant uh, state of unsafety or having to watch their back. I definitely have to, walking down the street, you need to be aware. If you find yourself in a, um, any kind of situation, really, like, you can't walk your dog after 
nine o'clock. Literally sucked the words out of my brain. I was thinking, if it's dark outside, I do not walk my dogs at night. No. And or even very early in the morning. I'm also like strange about that. I won't do it. I recently have been afraid to take an Uber by myself. I don't want to get into if I've had. So the whole reason for taking Ubers is so that you can have a beverage or two or 12 and not have to worry about driving home. Right. That's why I personally take Ubers. I want to go out. I want to enjoy myself and I don't want to have to worry about getting home. Right. Now I'm worried about getting home. Right. I can't trust an Uber driver to get me safely to where I'm going to go because I'm a woman. Right. Um, and that's fucking scary. So even whenever I go out, I was out on Friday. I was going to meet a friend. I was super excited about it. I had three glasses of wine over a, I don't know, eight hour period <laughs> so that I could feel good enough to get into an Uber to go home. Ah, so you're feeling like if you are inebriated or buzzed or drunk at all, that getting into an Uber is unsafe. Alone. Do yes. you think that women should be able to request a female Uber driver? Um, I don't think that's a terrible idea. If you go to the doctor, you're allowed to request a female doctor. Ew, what if we invented Uber for women? Ooh. Cut this. This will be our, oh, yeah. our claim to fame. <laughs> For us, by us. We would get <laughs> accused of being raunchy feminists that hated men. I mean, maybe, but I think every woman who was out for a brewski and was feeling a little vulnerable would totally appreciate being able to be like, hey, I see you seeing me. You know I feel unsafe. I need a chick to pick me up. Yeah, and that would be... I mean, Uber's going to totally steal this idea now and because I know Uber's Because I know Uber listens to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but yes, that is something that we have to be constantly aware of and conscious of. And as I get older, um, it's another thing that I constantly worry about. I have to pay attention to my surroundings. I have to pay attention to how much I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, for... As long as I can remember, we've been told that we need to watch what we wear. Oh, God. Yes, that kills me. It kills me. Yeah, it's like um, blaming the victim, right? So, oh, that's a whole episode <laughs> in itself we're fucking getting into. But yeah. yes, there's a lot of victim blaming in that aspect. Like, you were asking for it. Right. Like, I mean, truly... If that was the case, Barbie is asking for it. She's yes. asking for it. Okay, so here's a, a good thing to bring up because um, this is something I go through with my kids. I am kind of like a crop top and yoga pants kind of girl. Yeah. It's what I wear a lot of times. And, of course, my girls seeing me wear it. And now what does Jordan want to wear? Like little sports bras. What does Shay want to wear? Little sports bras. Jocelyn. And, and I know that Jocelyn wears it. I have a hard time letting my girls leave the house like that. So I don't have a hard time with it. I let Jocelyn wear it out most of the time. But there are certain situations when she's going to school, I say, I'm sorry, baby, there's a dress code. True. If we're going to a nice restaurant, I'm sorry, baby, there's a dress code. 
if we're going to Target, I don't give a fuck. I don't want her to feel insecure or anything. So I do let her know that there are times and places where exercise, I call it, I call them exercise clothes Mm -hmm. because that's what she wears. Like if she's going on a walk or, you know, doing all of those things. So I tell her, well, you can't wear your exercise clothes to the restaurant. Right. Because there's a dress code. Right. See, my kiddo wants to wear, like, legitimately, like, a tiny little sports bra Mm -hmm. and, like, shorts. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the majority of her stomach is sticking out. Mm -hmm. And she looks darn adorable. Totally. Not going to fight her on that. Um, But there's there's still ick inside me that's like, you're not safe. You're putting yourself in a dangerous situation. Um, again, like women are over-sexualized, black women are even more over-sexualized than their white counterparts. Um, and so I feel like likely to be helped and less likely to be helped. And so I see this as a way of kind of like preparing my daughters for the world that we live in. Like, and there's something to be said about that because sometimes we don't have a choice. We can try and live in a Barbie land. But that's not the reality. And so, yeah, there are times, like for me, I have to not get drunk before I get into an Uber. I have to make sure that I have my wits about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's something to be said about preparing your children for a world that you know that they're going to have to live in. Yeah. But it's the responsible thing to do. It's the job that we chose as parents. Our job is to protect them and to prepare them. How do we prepare our children for a world that we see as so unfair? I ask myself that all the time. Um, I sometimes get sad at myself for having four kids. In what regard? I now have created four lives that I have to send out into this cruel fucking world. I agree with you that the world is cruel. But I also, I have to choose Mm -hmm. what I allow myself to absorb and what I allow myself to pass on to my children about our world. Because I believe that what we choose to see Mm -hmm. is the experience that we have. So that is where I have to turn things around for myself. Because yes, the fucking world is cruel. Um... The way that I see it is I am helping to turn that around by raising these kids that are loving, that lead with love, that are going to go out into the world and neutralize some of the cruelness. Yeah. So another thing that I felt really powerful in the movie was just how they highlighted um, how she went back to self in order to um, understand her next move. I are you talking about the meditation? Yes. Oh my god, I loved that so much. I mean, you already know I love a good meditation. I mean, I, that I I actually wrote it down mm-hmm. because I was like this is she meditates to find her person. So another thing in the movie 
she's going into the real world to try and find the girl that's playing with her because she assumes that this is what is burdening her is that the girl that's playing with her is sad, basically. Right. So she's trying to find the girl that's playing with her. Um, and she, a couple of things that I love about this is she doesn't even question it. No. She's not like, how am I going to do this? She's like, meh, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. And I'll just sit down and go inside and close my eyes and trust myself. And she does. And she does. She does. I feel like, gosh, we are so trained to abandon self and look to the outside to tell us what to do next. The fact that she models this idea of like, just close my eyes and feel it. Mm. I thought was so powerful. And she didn't question her intuition at all. It was like she went inside. She felt it. And then she took her next steps. And, <laughs> and the whole time, Ken is like losing his fucking mind around her. Like, oh, my God, what's going on here? She's like, just go away. Go the fuck away. <laughs> I feel like I do this to my I'm like, excuse me. Going to need some space here. <laughs> Going to need a minute to go inside the crazy train. <laughs> Yeah, and so her trusting herself, meditating on it, I was like, mm, I was feeling that. I was feeling that too, and I felt like what a good representation of going inward and stepping into your power and understanding that that is such a unique journey of self. Um, whenever you stand in your power and whenever she was saying um, – I think she was saying at one point, like, this is why I was created. It was like she understood that, like, her as Barbie, she wasn't created for any other journey that the other Barbies were created for. This was her journey in and of itself. And that, to me, represented women not needing to compete with each other because none of us are here on the same journey. We are all here to fulfill our own purpose and our purpose that is solely about ourselves, it has nothing to do with the outside world. It has nothing to do with competing for a man, competing for a job, competing for the spotlight, competing for a like, competing for a view. I am here for my purpose, my journey. You are here for your purpose and your journey. And interestingly enough, not to go like way off left field here, but I feel like sometimes like in the struggle that you and I have had as sisters was just that we were different. Totally. And we wanted each other to be the same as the other. Or or to at least like understand. But right. we weren't in a place then that we could understand. We were so focused on what was in front of us. We had blinders on. We had blinders on and we were we were coming from this position or this understanding that like we had to not necessarily be the same, but that if we were to um, get along or we were to um, be close, that we had to think the same, act the same, navigate the same. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what is powerful about our reunification is just the respect and the understanding of our differences. So not the same. So not the same. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's power in that. There is. And I think that one of the big powerful things about us being able to do that is the different perspectives that we gain from the same situations. And so you were just talking about 
Barbie, but for me, her realizing that she was stereotypical Barbie, she did not think she was special. She wasn't Mm. the president Barbie. She wasn't like she was just regular stereotypical Barbie. And in that she had no unique qualifications. She did not think that she was anything great at all. Mm. And I feel like there's something really powerful in that because as fucking stereotypical Barbie myself, I don't feel special. I don't feel like I have a voice. I don't feel like I'm unique. I don't feel like I bring anything extra to the table. And I think that that is a lot of women that we don't feel like we have a lot of power. There are some people that are just so passionate about themselves and they're like, I know my worth and I know what I bring to the table and I'm not that way. Hmm. And I think that that is a common thing for a lot of women to not feel like they are anything extra special. They're stereotypical Barbie. Is that the message though? Is that the message that we're receiving? The message at the through it all is that we are all unique in our we all feel this way about ourselves. I'm not special. I'm not unique. Exactly. But that is our superpower. Mm-hmm. Us recognizing ourselves, what we have to offer, and it is different every fucking time. Yeah. Um. And so I do think that the message coming out of that with the self-love, the self-worth, the I know that a lot of people had a problem with her being like, Ken, get the fuck away from me. But you do need to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Right, right. And and um, gosh, that's like such a good parallel for for like the what am I trying to say? Um they use Ken in this moment to represent the female experience yeah. in that he doesn't see himself as an individual. He only sees himself as this accessory to Barbie. To Barbie. Yeah. And she is telling him, you need to go find out who you are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I think that women find themselves married, mother, wife and they forget who am I what is my purpose yes I'm a wife yes I'm a mother but like what are my hobbies do you know how many women don't have hobbies it's an identity Mm -hmm. and so many times we tie our identities to other people Mm -hmm. but that is the exact opposite of the definition of identity it is it's the exact opposite a hundred percent the identity is like how you feel inside what are the things that you value what are your you know core morals and there's so much that goes into it your identity is not your job it's not your husband it's not your kids it's not and even your hobbies sometimes. Yeah, you know? and it's not your sameness. Again, like back to what we were saying before, sometimes it's just like we are in this culture and this understanding where like we're striving so hard to be a lo- like everybody else 
and your identity is the uniqueness that is you. It's the standing in your power. Yeah. And I know that you came across a message of sorts about standing in your power. Yeah, I actually made a little note about it. And it was kind of like this epiphany in the movie where they understood that that the Kens were understanding that they were fighting because they didn't know who they were as individuals, because they weren't standing in their power. Therefore, they were fighting over the same power. They wanted the same thing. And so to me, the message was waking up, leaving behind what you thought you were supposed to be and stepping into who you are, not what you thought you were supposed to be. It's so often like if you are running the world or a company, let's make it smaller. You want a well-oiled machine. You don't want somebody that is the exact same as everybody else. You want people that have different, unique um, attributions to what you're trying to create. Absolutely. I feel like when you have, I mean, what artist is painting uh, something beautiful with all the same color? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I mean, you need color, you need texture, you need, um, you need differences to create art, to create beauty. And I feel like when you're creating anything in life, it's the opposing things that make the magic. It is for sure. And I think that um, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up one of the biggest parts of the movie, which was when they brought Barbie to the boardroom, Mm. all-male boardroom, trying to put her back in a box. Yeah, so there's this part of the movie where... um, Barbie being out in the real world is thought to be this very dangerous thing. Yeah. Because what would happen if the truth got out, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to encourage her to get back in the box. In a very friendly, enticing way. Manipulative. Yes. (laughs) Way. Yes. Just trying to get her. Manipulative. (laughs) Just trying to get her in the box. And there's also a line in there, and I won't get it totally right, but they said something about like, um, we're not worried about Ken being Mm -hmm. out there. We're worried about Barbie. Basically. And so it was like, just get her back in the box, silence her, get her back in her quote unquote place. So that this misogyny, this patriarchy isn't disturbed. And that is something that I would really like for people to sit with. Um, If people are so disturbed by a fictional land in which women are ruling... I really invite you to sit with that and wonder why. Why am I so triggered by this? Because there's more to that. And I would love for us to someday live in a world where we're not 
questioning or putting men versus women versus black people versus gay people versus who knows what's or anything else that is out there. I do know there's a lot of things out there. Um, but we're not there yet. And if these conversations are something that make you uncomfortable, good. Yeah. I'm glad they make you uncomfortable. And I really hope that you have an open mind enough to sit with it and think hard about why they make you uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like if you're uncomfortable, that is the space where you kind of want to like sit for a moment and dig in and just ask why, what is it that's being triggered in me? Am I feeling threatened in some way? What inside of me is feeling threatened? Why is it feeling threatened? Especially when we're talking about um, a fictional movie where there was absolutely no actual male bashing. (laughs) Yeah. In my opinion, going on, um, I think a lot of the points in the movie in the movie were very valid. I do think that uh, hopefully at some point in our lifetime we get to a point where this is a non-issue. But I, I can't say that I'm extremely confident that that's going to happen. I don't think it'll be in our lifetime, but I think it's being talked about. And that is like... It's a part of the journey. It is. Being able to talk about it, being able to have open, safe spaces where people can say like, yeah, that was a funny movie. Oh, yeah, I can draw the parallel. I thought the writer was genius in a sense that she did it in a way that was funny. Yeah. Um, And we live in a world that is built on these principles of misogyny of patriarchy and even though I'm aware of them and I'm conscious of them yeah I I make daily efforts to kind of go against the grain in these areas but I have to also recognize that like deep in my subconscious like that is the the land I was raised in and so it takes effort you you can't it's almost like automatic You don't think about it. I mean, you were telling me earlier when somebody's telling you that they're at the doctor and they're like, oh, you know, I was at the doctor. I have something wrong. Automatically you go, what did he say? Yeah, it's the default, right? And I obviously I know that women are doctors and I know that women hold positions of power. But I was raised in a period of time where... That wasn't always the case when I was a little girl. Yeah. And so my default sometimes is he. And I have to make a conscious effort to say she. We are unbatting. We are in the process. Mm. It is happening. Hardcore. (laughs) Um, Guys, we have not asked you lately to do the rate and review stuff or the subscribey stuff or anything like that. So consider this us asking yeah I mean if something that we said today strong accord with you or you feel like um, somebody that you know would really enjoy this leaving a comment or leaving a review um, just really helps us reach other people and will really help people that you care about that you want to help in their journey um, reach people like us that's right and until next time we're on batting baby Oh,